0: We should have titled this episode, The Art of the Rebrand, but it didn't occur to me until after it was already recorded. In this episode of AW360, I speak with Michael Nevins, Chief Marketing Officer of Equative. Michael shares his experience rebranding a large organization after several acquisitions, all of it during a global pandemic, and offers advice for others looking to rebrand themselves. I hope you enjoy this episode. Michael, welcome to the AW360 Podcast. I'm pleased to have you on today.
1: Thanks, Richard. Happy to be with you.
0: You are Chief Marketing Officer of the company now known as Equative. Tell me about Equative and what you all do there.
1: I'm happy to do that. Equative is a 20-year-old company, actually. We were founded originally within a premium publisher in France as a uh, ad server an alternative to what was then known as DoubleClick, now part of Google. And we are in the business broadly of what you would call ad tech, uh, advertising technology. Our customers are both publishers on the one side, web publishers, and on the other side, advertisers and brands uh, who want to reach audiences um, on those publisher sites.
0: And you recently underwent a rebrand. Tell me about that.
1: We did. Um you know it was part of really i guess the culmination of uh not to suggest that it's over but it was certainly a, a culmination of of some uh integrations that we had done and so over time we we've added a couple of companies to our portfolio uh, so in addition to the ad serving and ssp business um, we started to acquire other assets in the space, uh, a self service DSP called Liquid M. And then uh, this past, Ju- uh, a year ago, July, I should say, we. Um... Added a strong full-service uh, media player. It's a essentially a company called Dynadmic, which is um, a, a managed services DSP business. So it allowed us to start operating on both sides of the industry, both on the supply side and the demand side. So ultimately, our mission is to create this scaled, independent alternative to the big walled gardens. You know, the web giants of of, of the world. And for us, given the fact that we had added those. Um, assets to the portfolio and changed the company quite a bit along the way and grown quite a bit. For us, it was time to consider uh, a new name and uh, a new rebrand. And that's the the project that we started. So in some ways, you know, the, the brands were working really well sort of independently, but because they were largely operating under their original names, um, while all performing well, we had this insight that integrations often uh, hinge on a successful cultural integration. So rather than this sort of typical operational and financial efficiencies that one might expect through mergers and acquisitions, um, one of the really critical things to do is to uh, get the cultural part right. And so while we did spend a lot of time on the traditional integration analysis, planning, et cetera, how the work's going to get done, the organization structure, um, governance, etc. We knew that, based on our cultural analysis, that we understood the strengths and weaknesses of each company's habits and rituals and personalities, and all those things roll up into what we call culture. But we had a very strong conviction, and supported by some good research, that uniting our teams and cultures under a single brand was critical to getting the integration right. So. Yeah, corporate rebrands are often thought of as frivolous in some cases, but in our case, we saw this as a you know pretty high stakes mission and an imperative for the company.
0: Absolutely, and I mean you know just culturally speaking, it feels like everybody feels more like they're at home and you know, versus you know your company, but my company, and you know how do I really fit in? That that makes a lot of sense. Tell me. Were there what were the challenges? I have to assume there was some, and if there wasn't, well, I'll be I'll be shocked. But it also, kind of in awe. It seems like an interesting Many. time, an interesting time, more than anything to, you know, number one, do these acquisitions, and number two, perform this rebrand with everything else going on in the space and in the world.
1: Indeed, uh, so. I I laugh a little because, yeah, it was a a bit crazy (laughs) and uh, it was quite a project to take on. Uh, Hank could probably tell you, our our mutual friend, that uh, uh, there were points at which I thought that I would, you know, crawl under my desk and hide for a while, but I didn't. I I have to give myself some credit. I stayed strong. Uh, But I The challenge is, I think, with any rebrand, renaming projects, is that often there's a failure to launch, and you know people will noodle around with a new brand or new name idea for a long period of time, and have trouble putting a stake in the ground or planting that flag and saying, "Okay, we're done. This is what we're doing. Let's move forward." So, because it's hard to come to a consensus, I think is probably the first reason. It's a subjective decision, and second, without the pressure of that firm deadline, that decision can go on forever it's harder to reach consensus so we made the do that uh, the decision to do this uh, back in july of 2021 after we uh, acquired dynamic and by october we had completed an rfp process with agencies and formed a committee of exec sponsors and set a budget and had the approvals we needed to move forward um, we set a really tight deadline for early june so if you think about it we were already in um September, October 2021. And we knew that by June of 2022, we wanted to be able to launch and two drivers were behind that. The first was that we wanted to be able to launch the new brand and new identity internally, because it was so much driven by our cultural imperative that I mentioned. And so in order to unify that team, we had already planned that we would do a large, uh, a a global uh, all-hands event in Barcelona to bring everyone in our company, roughly 500 people together for a few days, just to get to know each other and to have some fun and and get motivated and excited about what was to come. And so the timing of that was tricky because two weeks later, we would be at one of our tentpole events, which is Cannes Lions, which was, uh, you know, June twenty something, I forget the exact date. Yeah. So we knew that that would be a perfect opportunity to activate the brand externally for the first time. We have a big boat there and and other activities. So it was a challenge, um, and I can get deeper into you know how we organized the process and what we did, but I I'll take a breath and see if that's clear so far and if there are questions.
0: Yeah, very much so. I think you know one of the, one of the challenges that I always wonder how it's addressed, how it's overcome, if it's overcome, is I think a little bit more on the personnel culture side where, you know, when when you perform acquisitions like this and then particularly with an eye towards doing a rebrand how does that work in terms of your clients i mean is it just kind of everybody comes into a pool you're you know you're obviously gaining some as you go along because Mm. you know you you have people who were you know specializing in the ctv space whereas you know somebody liquid m maybe that wasn't their you know their specialty at all how does all of that kind of work moving into this And, and how much consideration is given to that
1: So it's a really good question. So looking at the client side, there wasn't a ton of overlap because historically, the company Smart Ad Server, which is where I started uh, mm-hmm. roughly six years ago, we were mostly talking to publishers for several years, you know, 20 to be a, I'll give a, a more of a number on it. Sure. And while we had started to make inroads on the uh, buy side of the business, that was not really where we had excelled over the years. And liquid M is a self-service DSP had a certain number of clients particularly in Europe and uh, particularly in the mobile category and Dynadmic was pr- particularly strong on the bu- uh, buy side or on the demand side as we might call it for CTV they were talking to agencies every day and that was what made this union uh, so uh, well aligned. Uh, there wasn't a ton of overlap. There was actually a, a, a ton of synergy in the, in the companies coming together. So it was not a t- difficult thing for us to uh, communicate or, or sell on the uh, on the client side. Internally was a different
0: story. What was the rationale behind the, I mean, I understand everything needs a deadline, otherwise you just keep going, but that seems like a really tight deadline. I mean, is it is a love of suffering, or what was kind of the catalyst there? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I should invite my my
1: therapist into the call. So <laughs> we can get into that part of it. Um, that's it's a fair question. I think that those events seemed very, very high value for us. We didn't want to go to uh, an internal event and flash three logos on on the wall and and you know talk about three different teams. As much as we were collaborating really nicely, there still was an an internal perception that we were three different groups. And that was something that we wanted to fix sooner than later. It's really important to get everybody rowing in the same direction and and feel like we're all in the same boat together. Mm -hmm. And so that internal event that was fixed at that point seemed like a a good opportunity. And much credit to uh, my CEO he also believes in setting deadlines, even sometimes what seem like um, audacious deadlines, in order to make sure that we, uh, you know, are ambitious and get things done. Better to set an audacious deadline and miss it by, uh, you know, get 75% of it, miss 25, than to, you know, never take on the take on the project. The other thing was is that the Cannes Lions uh, opportunity for us was too big to pass up. It had been a couple of years since anybody had been at, at Cannes in person. And we really wanted to take advantage of that opportunity. So you don't want to wait too long. You have these two tentpole events coming up that are critical, that are going to be a big investment for the company. And we decided that uh, all these things should converge around around the, those events. And indeed, the. The way we did it it, like yeah it was a world of hurt, you know, certainly failure was not an option we put ourselves in behind the eight ball by very much telling the company back in December of, of 21 that we would be doing this and launching it by June of 22. And so that was quite a commitment and we jumped in very quickly to to make it happen, and we had very challenging deadlines to hit. In fact, uh, I'm lucky that we had a fantastic team working on it. I didn't do everything, that's for sure. I had a strong executive uh, committee collaborating along with me. And we did many, many things in parallel. For example, we produced two versions of everything that we created for the internal launch, as well as the CanLiance external launch. And we knew that we would have to clear names through legal and otherwise. So while we were doing those and sort of rolling uh groups of names potential name candidates we also when we came down to a couple we thought we could land on um started to put some of those into production you uh, for art and uh, visual identity and those types of things for our boat at can we had this tremendous sale that has the now equative logo on it but i will tell you we also printed one of those sales with the smart ad server logo on it just in case <laughs> we had to go to can with that particular uh, brand, so we had to do a lot of extra work in order to make sure that we would uh, hit those events. But I think it was it was well worth it. Um, we had a great uh, unifying effect and a lot of excitement. All the employees who went to Barcelona for our event were very excited to be there to learn about the new name and the new brand. We did a very strong reveal there. It was pretty exciting. Everybody got behind it. We did a press announcement at the same time. Uh, So people turned around and came out of the launch meeting and saw, wow, we have a new website up with a new brand. We have a a PR out in in the major trades around the world. We did it in such a way that we built the maximum impact. And then two weeks later, we were at Cannes with a very strong visible activation and a boat that, you know, was well, well positioned with a sale you could see from all around Canada. It was pretty exciting. And the response has been, been really positive. And so why Equative? That's a really good question. So in the process, uh, we did a very inclusive process. Not all companies do this, but we felt it was critical to spend a lot of time with our teams internally and some, uh, how do I put it? Friends and family outside the company, mm-hmm. uh, partners, uh, experts who who know us clients and otherwise to understand what it was that they liked about the three companies and by that point we had a strong understanding of those synergies and and cultural things that we shared and why there was there was a strong marriage in the first place, but we spent a lot of time talking about that internally. Collated that information with the help of our, our, our agency, and in the end, we had. Um, pulled certain things out of how we operate, certain things, certain pillars of of our ethical approach to the market and how we like to operate as a company vis-a-vis our customers, um, both on the publisher side and the buy side, agencies and advertisers, but also a strong recognition that we have a certain amount of responsibility, strong responsibility, in my belief, to the consumer and I even hesitate to call them consumer. Let me just say people, because people are the most important stakeholders in this whole thing. They're the audience of the publisher, the precious audience. They're also the prospects or customers of advertisers. And so where most in our industry have traditionally been addressing the needs of the publisher and the advertiser, we thought it was very important to acknowledge the critical role of, of the of the human, the consumer, the person, mm-hmm. um, in this equation, especially uh, in a privacy-centric climate, and so we started to think about words that had meanings around uh, meaning around things like equality and equity and things like that. And a lot of wordplay, a lot of time, a lot of trying, you know, out of different ideas, we landed on equative. Really, with this idea that we would uh, use that thought about fulfilling the original promise of ad tech, which was about efficiency and about targeting and about sort of delivering a better uh, sort of advertising uh, paradigm to the market that largely had failed and largely served to enrich some of the middle players, tech players, and not so much those important constituents, particularly the publisher and the advertiser in this case. And often that work was happening at the expense of the human in the middle. And so we thought it was important to talk about harmonizing market interests and really trying to find the right balance uh, for all the players in the mix so that we end up with a more uh, sustainable, more fair, and um, how do I put it, Uh, Yeah, sustainable is probably the best way to put it, long-term sustainable paradigm for the industry. And so you know, we do see the market inevitably rationalizing to a place where it's less lopsided and where um, the key stakeholders that I mentioned are driving fair value from the investments that they make. And um, that's why uh, Equative sort of jumped out at us as a, as a really strong candidate to be our name. And lo and behold, it was available uh, from, from the trademark perspective, and it looked beautiful when we you know, wrapped some design around it. And uh, we fell in love, and and here we are.
0: Amazing. And what was the the alternate name that, that you were using as a as like a code word for to identify leakers and <laughs> things like that? I always want to we know actually, what that one was.
1: We didn't have one. I, I I was damn. I should have made something up clever on the spot, but I don't, I don't have one ready to go. No, because the three companies were operating it wasn't like we were, you know, new co, you know, stealth new co getting ready to to emerge. You know, we did sometimes refer to the new co name or the new identity when it would come, but we didn't have one of those that, you know, secret project names internally that sticks and is hard to get rid of later. Um, But I, at the risk of, uh, of embarrassing ourselves, or I I don't want to take the risk of embarrassing ourselves. So I'm not going to share some of the names we rejected along the way. (laughs) There were a few that we really liked that, were shot down in the legal process because it's really hard to own a name these days that is a real word. Yeah, um, easy to come up with, you know. I don't know, Schmegegi Corp or something that nobody's thought of. Um, maybe some, maybe that's out there. I'm going to hear now from your uh, from your audience. There will be somebody who works for Schmagegi Corp is going to send me a cease and desist. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um,
1: but um, there is a general sort of uh, sense that. Uh, it's difficult to find unique names that that actually are representative of the company, and so we felt really strongly that we ended up on a on, on a good note, and as I said the the response was really strong internally first I should be clear and externally it's worked really well and. Um, I think one of the things I mentioned to everybody in, in Barcelona when we launched is that that wasn't the end point this past June that was actually the beginning.
0: Yeah. So we're,
1: you know, there's still lots of work to be done. We're just, you know, we're not just launching a brand, we're building it. And that's going to take some time before, uh, you know, we're the next uh, first name out of everybody's
0: mouth. Amazing. And, you know, I, I think there's there's a certain amount of wisdom to it, too, that, you know, in a world of nothing but walled gardens and what feels like more of them every day, to be at the forefront of the open web is a pretty tall order and something that, you know, you want to match that name to so that, you know, when you're thinking of that name, that's, that's the impression you get. I mean, that's, it's pretty brilliant. Well, um, thank you for that. I'm glad that it works. That means a lot. Yeah. The, the concept of the open internet
1: and playing fairly out there in the marketplace, I think is important. You know, at the time that we were thinking about the renaming project, you know, we certainly had spent years championing just those types of concepts What's interesting is that, and I don't want to sound like we're so prescient or anything like that, but the market has shifted even further to validate that choice and to reinforce the idea that the open internet matters, that it's important to journalism, that it's important to the, to the you know, health and, and and wellness of publishers, of course, and um, and certainly increasingly more important to advertisers. Um, without wanting to kick sand on some of the um, struggling or uh, let me rephrase that to, to kick sand on some companies that are struggling in public markets right now some of the bigger uh platforms and otherwise um, they are struggling and some of that may be due to strong predictions about the uh, health of the uh, digital ad market um, some of it may also be uh, part and parcel of just a uh a softening of, of excitement about advertising within the the walled gardens. And and maybe the old approach is not uh, the only approach. So we seem <laughs> to see uh, some strength in what we're doing and, and the market seems to respond well. And uh, that feels like a good place to be.
0: So at this point, you would almost seem like you would be pretty knowledgeable to speak to rebrands. And, and so I'm wondering what Advice would you give to other companies who are looking to do the same thing? What what are the the lessons learned coming out of this, or you know, takeaways that they could use, you know, mm-hmm. moving forward with their own plans? It's a really
1: good question, and I think there are probably certain situations that will be unique, and so this may not apply to every one of them. But in in general, when when I've been asked this question in the past, I've shared these. I think these concepts, at least, so. It needs to be to be successful in my mind, and to be embraced by everybody around the company internally at a minimum, and hopefully externally too, is to be inclusive. It's a very sensitive and emotional topic for for many people, especially at a company that's been around for twenty years. Some of the people have spent the majority of their career at the company and built a lot of this company, and as a result, it's a you really want to bring them along. It's important to do that. So demonstrating inclusion, especially at the beginning is critical. And by communicating a lot about what you're doing and why you're doing it and talking about it like a company project is critical. And so that would be sort of the first sort of concept I would put out there. And there's many different ways you can go about demonstrating that inclusion, but that's an important thing. I would say also that, um, It's important to commit to a go live date so you can force decisions. Some, as I mentioned, sometimes these projects can go on forever and end up with a. Sorry, we're not going to rebrand or rename because we didn't come to a good, you know, a good answer. I believe in order to do that, I'm, I'm strongly in favor of starting wide and gathering information as we did. And then when it comes to seeking opinions, you have to sort of narrow down the group you're working with as you go. So having a strong committee, not too big, uh, but not just CMO and CEO is sort of important here. And there's a critical balance to strike between efficiency efficiency and the sort of inclusion and the diversity that comes uh, from the multiple opinions as you go. So start wide, narrow as you go um, would be sort of conceptually the way I would manage a project like this. Additionally, it needs to be strongly sponsored by the CEO. If it doesn't start out and isn't managed as something that the CEO is deeply involved in, then it becomes a marketing project that feels like uh, window dressing. And it won't be successful and it won't get the sort of help you need from everybody around the company. So what I would suggest is that everybody spend a lot of time also thinking about all the steps that need to take place. There's tons of checklists out there. The content marketers are great that you all sorts of things you can download out there about all the things you need to remember when you're doing a a rename. And it's good to get a hold of that because it speaks to the scope of such a project. Um, when I first started, I didn't think about the fact that we would have to do so many little things out of the edges operationally and otherwise to make it work. And so that of course takes time, there's hidden costs and that kind of thing. So I'd recommend you know, getting smart on all the possibilities uh, that, of things that might have to change. Legal entities, um, regulatory things in different countries, there's a ton of things to, to consider. Um, leave plenty of time if you can, but be inclusive, so that you're including your legal team, your finance team and others early in the project. Um, they need to be in it early. You need to have the specialists there so that they are able to um, see what's coming and do their own planning. You can't change the name of the company, create a new look and feel a new logo new color scheme and then hand it to your product team and expect them to drop that into the roadmap in the next quarter they have to be able to work it in know when they're going to do it know what they're going to be able to deliver and then be able to communicate that to their various constituents so there's a ton of planning that needs to happen Um, but most importantly it's to be inclusive it can't be this private little skunk works project that uh that marketing is doing
0: well, oh, Michael, this is this is a great story. I absolutely love this. What's next for you now that you've started?
1: Well, we have many, many things going on, lots of assets. It's funny, I, I look back on the last six months or so, it's not even six months yet, and we've accomplished a tremendous amount. So if my team is listening to this, shout out to all of you in the marketing team, but not just the marketing team, the product team, the legal team. We've had a tremendous number of people Um, engaged in this project behind the scenes. When you do a rebrand, you don't even immediately think about the fact that, oh yeah, your HR systems need to change their names and your software providers need to change things on your account. And you have to redesign interfaces or update, you know, all sorts of things. Um, Many, many things behind the scenes internally at the company and many things that are, that are customer facing. And We've had a, a tremendous effort from a huge group of people to make this happen. So anybody considering doing a, a renaming of a company or of a rebrand should be mindful of that in their planning. That would—that's my advice to most people. Um, this is not just a CMO project. This is a, a company-wide project. So those things are ongoing. We still have things to do. We're at the beginning of the journey. Uh, but for us, it's—we've uh, activated now at at a with the Equative brand at uh, at Can at uh, the, the global events, uh, De Mexico in, in uh, Cologne, Germany, uh, back in September, at IBC in Amsterdam. We've been doing projects in LATAM, uh, you know, across Europe. And so we continue to activate with the new brand and that's the most exciting part. I love seeing the brand out there and seeing a big booth built with our, with our new brand. So there's a lot of that type of activity going on. And we're now in the uh, 2023 planning mode like everybody else in our business. And we have a lot of exciting things to come. I I can't share too much about what those activations will be, (laughs) but I'm excited to see the sort of ongoing work to, to put the brand out there, explain our story and to, you know, really, I don't how do I put it? uh, See the positive feedback that's coming from the market Uh, already. We, we, we have a a nice, you know, warm, fuzzy feeling
0: from, from all of this. Amazing. Well, Michael, I appreciate you taking the time to speak to me about it today. This is a great story and just fascinating stuff all the way around. Congratulations on the rebrand, and uh, you know, I look forward to to more from you and Equative in the future.
1: Thank you very much. Happy to be with you, and I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed the story. I'm, I'm I'm a if nothing else, I enjoy telling stories. Everybody knows that.
0: Thanks for listening. For more podcasts like this one, be sure to check out Advertising Week's ever expanding network of B2B podcasts at www.advertisingweek.com/podcasts.